Welcome to the WellStack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of WellStack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Derek Notman, a serial entrepreneur who also happens to be an advisor and fintech founder of Coupler and Connector. The topic, why he's on a mission to fix money. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Really thrilled to be speaking with you. Hey, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, let's Let's get into it. <laughs> So I know you've had to answer this before, but you are a virtual advisor. You don't meet with people in person. You know, why was that ultimately the right business model for you? So a little bit of context. I started like most advisors, suit and tie, night and weekend appointments, driving 20,000 miles a year. I bought an office building, in-house staff. Turns out that doesn't necessarily make you successful. And then, you know, so did that for a number of years, made some okay money, but then I had my kid and I was like, wait a minute, I am now missing moments that I can never make up again with my son. And it, it actually opened up my eyes to this bigger thing, which we refer to as work-life balance. And I always thought that work-life balance would happen someday. Um, it doesn't happen someday. It'll, it'll never happen unless we make it happen. So I, tr I, I use that. That was, I guess, like the impetus to say, man, I got to rethink how I am running my practice. Do I have to have an office? Do I have to work nights and weekends? Do I have to have eight, you know, metal filing cabinets and so forth? Long story short, I went down this path of how do I be go become virtual? How do I work remotely? How do I use tech? How do I streamline things and ended up doing that in 2013. That's when I started that journey and ended up getting a lot of time back. So I could be with my son. I could be with my wife. We could travel, we could pursue our passions, but I could also grow my business. And um, virtual was the answer. That's, that's what happened. So you talk about work-life balance, but you are, like I said, you're an advisor, you're founder of Coupler and Connector. You also have the Rethink podcast. How is that balanced? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, again, by, by structuring things, by having the right infrastructure in place, by time blocking, I'm able to do all these things. Now, my RIA, I'm not taking on new clients. You know, I, I've had that for a long time now. So I, I did the work. I have the gray hair. So I, I, you know, I spun that business up. Same thing with Connector. I launched that just before the pandemic, spun that up. And once you get these flywheels going and you have the right infrastructure and teams in place, you can go do other things. Uh, so I still am able to do that. I don't work crazy hours. Um, I'm home, you know, I'm home all the time. That's where my office is, but I'm there to, you know, be there when my son gets off the bus and go to football practice and all those things. So it, anything is possible as long as you build it. Well, I think we are all secretly living vicariously through you because you seem to found the perfect recipe. <laughs> I don't know that about balance. that. Nothing's perfect, but we're, <laughs> we're we're pretty happy. Let's put it that way. It, and that, there, that doesn't mean there aren't stressful moments. Life sure. is always going to throw stressful moments at you, but you know you have to you have to be able to enjoy the good times as well. And I just try to get a few more good times. That's all. Oh, makes sense to me. And. Obviously, you're on the WellStack podcast, so I have to ask, as you're building your own practice, what was it like building your own tech stack? You know, Walk me through that. Did you have to do a lot of test driving of tech before you settled on what was best fit for, for you and your client base and, and your situation? You know, it's interesting. So I, I spent a lot of years in the broker-dealer world. 
and was very limited to what tech I could use. Most of it was bad. So I knew what I didn't want. I knew where I was frustrated. I knew where I was challenged. So when I started my own RIA, it was actually pretty easy. And I think one of the challenges or mistakes advisors make is that they try to bring on too many different tech solutions and they end up with a bunch of stuff that they don't use. So I really try, I'm a big fan of simple. I like, I like simple. I don't, I, I just keep it easy as, as much as possible. So I, I really wanted to like figure out how do I run my practice with the fewest amount of moving parts? So, I mean, it took a little bit of time, but it wasn't that bad. and was able to spin up the tech that I want for my business pretty quickly. Obviously there's learning curves. Um, but it, it wasn't as bad as some may think. It would actually went pretty fast. All right. So so there's hope for the rest of us then. Oh, no question. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. Don't overthink it. You don't need, you know, get bring on tech slowly. And there's a couple core things you need and then go from there. Absolutely. Well, appreciate the, the context and background, but I want to dive into our first segment of Stats All Folks. And for the first time, actually, in this segment, I'm using a data point quote quoted directly from the guest. So congratulations. Hey. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I want to talk about 61%. When you went completely virtual, you said you were able to cut your overhead costs by 61% while increasing your income. Obviously that's significant savings, but were you at all worried about trust or service or client experience going with that full virtual model? I was deathly afraid, you know, deathly afraid of you. We were at a point where my wife was at home with our kid, our newborn, and I was the sole breadwinner. And myself and my clients were used to an in-person brick and mortar experience. So when I went virtual, I actually didn't tell anybody I was going virtual. You just, I just did, it? did it. I just did it. <laughs> I started conducting, you know, Zoom meetings and 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 phone calls and all this stuff and just focusing more on tech and Long story short, I only lost one client. That's incredible. Because of going virtual. So it really worked. And I, it's just, you know, I had to believe in it. I had to know that, hey, this is better for me. And at the end of the day, as advisors, we should be a shining example to our clients of what's possible when we make good financial decisions, we live our best life and so forth. So if I'm paying way more on overhead than I should, I'm working crazy hours, unhealthy, I'm overweight. What kind of example am I giving my clients? That doesn't instill a lot of confidence if I'm on the other side. So it actually worked out really well. And clients loved it because now they don't have some guy in a suit sitting at their dinner table at seven o'clock at night. You know, it, <laughs> it just... <laughs> it just wasn't what I didn't want to be there, you know, and they didn't want me. They didn't really want me to be there. So it just worked. It worked really well, but I was deathly afraid at first. I really was. Um, Cause I wasn't sure how people were going to respond, but I say now if grandma can FaceTime the grandkids, we can do this thing virtually. Hey, my grandmother is 96 and can still text. So love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so it makes, it makes sense to me. So I do have another stat for you, and this was actually from a McKinsey study. It was pre-pandemic, but so I'd be willing to bet that it's increased since then. But their study said that approximately 42 million households worldwide, representing about 66 billion in annual revenues across banking, borrowing, investing, 
are already prime candidates for a virtual advice model. You know, we're already seeing leading financial firms around the globe ha- launching virtual advisors. What's driving the growth here? We do everything else online. I'd love to see that McKinsey study done again now. It would be really interesting because that was that was released in 2019. I'm very familiar with it. We do our banking online. We date online. We have groceries delivered to our homes online. We have everything done online these days. Our pet food for our dog is delivered from online. You know, I mean, everything is. So people are used to these experiences. They like the convenience. So why wouldn't they be open to doing what we do, what we help them with, what advisors help with um, virtually? So they are, I just, the financial profession tends to be a bit slower and more old school and, and slower to evolve, but it's, I mean, it's been there for a long time that people are comfortable doing this and clearly the the research shows it. And I've, I've been curious because trust is obviously such a big factor in this industry. You're dealing with something as sensitive as money and financial goals. So I can imagine that maybe folks are a little slower to adopt this idea of going virtual because of maybe there's risk behind it, cybersecurity issues, but it makes sense. You know, like you said, we've really seen it in other industries. You know, we talk a lot about the Amazon effect, right? That's the experience that we want to have day in and day out as consumers, we've been spoiled. <laughs> we've been spoiled and we've come to expect it. And if, again, I, you know, joking about having someone sit at your dinner table, if I have to choose between that and my family, I want to choose my family every day of the week. I would hope so. <laughs> you know, you know or, or your animals or travel or your passions, whatever it is, whatever your thing is. Um, so let's make it more convenient because people still know they have to work with their money and make good decisions, but let's make it easier for them. And anyone that knows you has seen online, you you have a mission statement that says you're on a mission to fix money. I want to dig into that. What do you mean by it? And where do Coupler and Connector fit in and even the Rethink podcast? So money is arguably the 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 most important tool that any of us have access to in the world. And there's different forms of money. Like I've even joked, like some people trade goats, you know, or whatever. I mean, we have access to this thing we use that's called money, but there's no formal education around it. And when we make bad decisions with our money, bad things happen. We get emotionally stressed out. We aren't ready to retire. We can't pay for our kids to go to school. We have credit card debt. We have all of these things. We have divorce, like like almost, I don't know what this specific statistic is, but a high percentage of divorce happens because of financial arguments. So you have all of these issues that shouldn't be there. So I'm, I, I'm on a mission to fix that. I think if we can fix access to money, education to money, uh, trusted advice for money. If we can fix these things, then we have this, this ripple effect of people having better lives and being able to save for their kid's college or retire or buy, you know, whatever the, whatever it is that they want to do. So we're doing that at Connector by empowering more advisors to work virtually, have that, you know, build that trust and personal brand. Coupler's a really cool fintech lead gen thing we're doing on a massive scale to help people find the best advisor for them, not based on zip code and net worth. 
Um, you know, people are looking for an eHarmony experience. They're getting Tinder at best with a lot of the solutions out there. <laughs> a lot of guys with fish photos. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously, right? Yeah. It's just like, come on. Like, but money is a very personal thing. Let's 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 lean into that instead of just trying to make it a monetized thing. And then the rethink podcast, we're just questioning everything. Is there a better way to do things? So that's how I'm trying to fix money. Um, it's a big undertaking and I can't do it by myself, but if I can, you know, chip away a little bit doing those things and you know, it, hopefully that'll help improve some people's lives. Oh, abs absolutely. I think you are well on your way. So, you know, you mentioned lead gen and I would probably argue that might be the, one of the biggest challenges our advice that advisors are facing right now. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It is. I've done, I've run a number of polls on this. I've done some webinars and, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how smart you are, what credentials or licenses you have, your experience, your niche, your tech stack, none of it matters if you don't have a client to use it with. So we have to bring in new clients and most advisors become advisors to be an advisor. They want to help people with their money and right. do the planning and the investments and the risk assessments and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden they're told, well, you also have to cold call. You have to do all these other things and you have to become a technologist now and you have to become a marketer. And the advisor's like, no, I don't want to do that. That's not why I signed up. Um, but you don't, you don't learn that until after you sign up, you know, that's what happened to me at least. So if, <laughs> if we can help, you know, more advisors that way with lead gen and fixing that solution, that problem with this solution, then everyone wins. And so what is Coupler doing specifically to help with, with lead gen? So we are, Think about it this way. I mentioned eHarmony earlier. Couplers, what happens when eHarmony and Bumble get married and have a kid? <laughs> okay. We are empowering the consumer to find the best advisor for them based on human and financial dimensions. Really, really important. Because if I'm going to trust someone with my money, if I'm going to open up and share my financial skeletons with an advisor, I better make darn sure that I like that advisor, that we have shared commonalities, shared experiences, because those are all things that we need for this thing we call trust. Uh, so we are connecting people on those dimensions and letting the consumer drive the process. So the consumer wins that way, no more spam or any of that nonsense. But now the advisor is getting connected with warm inbound leads that want to work with them. So it's, it's a win for everybody. So we're doing that. We've got a really cool tool. It's a SaaS product, uh, enterprise deployments. And we've got some big things happening this year that I can't quite talk about just yet. All right, next, that's the next episode. But it, it sounds like is AI, are you utilizing? It sounds like you're utilizing AI though. For... Haven't turned it on yet, but yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> but yes, yes. That's machine learning AI will be a big part of our solution in the future. Fantastic. And as an early adopter of working virtually, it seems like you really embraced, you know, tools like social media, video, podcasting um, to really generate brand awareness and have an authentic online presence. So going back to building that trust, building awareness, um, you know, and it, like I said, this is the first time we're formally chatting, but I feel like I know you so well already just based on your online identity. So let's talk about the power of personal branding and its importance for growth as an advisor and even a tech founder and some of the best practices around it. It's key. 
It's absolutely keen. It goes back to a saying, I didn't make this up. I heard it from somebody else, but people don't know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Show that you care by letting people get some insight into who you are as a person. People want to know that you're smart, but they also want to know that they can trust you, that they can connect with you on a human level. And as soon as they connect with you, darn it all, you better be the best at what you do to, to help them with whatever their, their need is. Uh, so personal branding is a big part of that. You, you know, it's think about it as like, you have a great, uh, restaurant or, you know, or business on main street, you want it to be welcoming. You want it to tell people what you do, who you are. You want the door to be open. If it's warm enough outside to let people come in when they're ready. And that's our, that's your personal brand, especially on a, in a digital format, you have to have all that. So it's, what I've come to find though, Shannon, is that it's, it's an art and a science. It is not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. And if there's any advice I could give anyone listening is start working on it yesterday. I, you know, I wish I would have done it years earlier. I got LinkedIn and didn't use it for five years. You know, I was a creeper as I call it. You know, I would look at what everyone else is doing. I'd be like, well, why aren't I getting leads off of this thing? Why aren't people sending me messages? It was just the weirdest thing. And then all of a sudden I started branding by creating content and everything else took care of itself. Well, I will say one thing about you too, is that you show up consistently, no matter where you are, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, you bring the same personality, same authenticity, same messaging, no matter where you're showing up. And I think that's key for folks to understand is that consistency plays a big part in it as well. It really does. And it might seem like that's a real challenge. It isn't the only, the secret, you know, silver bullet to that, just be you. Yes. You. And you're, be you're not afraid to share who you are either, which, you know, you're, you are out there. This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. Exactly. Take it or leave it. <laughs> exactly. That's fine. You know, it's not for everybody. I'm cool with that. That's fine. You know what, you know, that's fine, but that's, that's how it should be. You can't try to be everything to everybody because when you have a message like that, you connect with nobody. Exactly. So any advice for advisors looking to go virtual or, or who are looking to really get started to build their brand? Take a step back again. Who are you as an individual? What's important to you? What are you trying to accomplish personally and professionally and get very specific about that? And then that's going to help you crystallize what's actually important to you in life. And for me, and you and I have a lot of similarities here, but travel is important. Dogs, cars, you know, things of this nature where they're, like, they're just part of who we are. And I live my life around these things. And once I know them, then I can easily go start branding and, and telling those stories and getting that information out there. Uh, so if you don't do that, how are you going to, you know, people don't want to know about Roth conversions, right? It's boring, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. It's important, but it's super boring. You know, let people get to know you, let, let them open the door, have a great conversation my favorite question to ask in a networking event is what do you like to do when you're not working? Get I people need to start asking that more. <laughs> it's great, right? Just get people in, engaged that way and interested and eventually it'll come back to business. It always does. Well, it is a relationship-based business after all. So it makes sense that that's a fundamental building block of it all. Exactly. All right. Well, Derek, it is time for segment two of this episode, Ask Us Anything, where I've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you. So let's see who's dropping into the DMs this week. You are a popular guy. So I pulled some of my favorite questions we got. First one being, advisor client fit is so important. 
How can we as an industry get better at that? It really is important. And I, I think that we can boil this down to two things. One is that we have to understand as advisors that this is a profession. It's not an industry. There is an industry component. They're the ones that manufacture the products that we sell. But we are, as advisors, we are actually a profession. So I think it's really important to let clients know that through our personal branding, for example. And that's why the second thing is, is again, take a step back and know who you are. When you know who you are, when you know what you're trying to accomplish, that's going to help you define who your ideal client niche market is. So now you can go talk to them in a way that they understand. And now you get this advisor client fit that works really well. And that's part of what we're helping them do with, even with Coupler is let's connect on these human dimensions. Let's figure that stuff out. Your zip code and 401k balance aren't that important right now. <laughs> they will be eventually, but they're not important right now. Right. So that's, those are the two things that I would say that that would really help if you're trying to get better advisor client fit. And we had another question. There's been a lot of talk amongst advisors seeking to attract new clients with unparalleled demand for advisors. How are advisors focusing on their unique skills, but disinterested in marketing going to attract uh, you know, new clients in a near virtual world? I, so I, I like to use um, an example that Jason Wank over at Altruist told me years ago is that you may have the best cheeseburger in town. But if nobody knows about it, right, then what's the point, right? It's what's happening is, is that we are seeing really smart advisors. They're really good at the work that they do. But for whatever reason, maybe they're unwilling, they're unable, or they just don't know how to tell the world that they exist and they've got this awesome cheeseburger. You've got this disconnect going on. So advisors have to have that skill set. But part of being a business owner, and most advisors, even if you're W-2, you technically are a business owner, I would argue, given the way that we work, have to market yourself. Whether that's you through personal branding or eventually bringing on a team to help with that, you have to get that story out there. Because it doesn't matter how awesome your tech, technical skills are, if no one knows that you exist, what's the point? Absolutely. So embrace marketing or... Uh... Fade into obscurity, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you have to, because there are more and more advisors, especially with virtual. I mean, that, this is the beautiful thing is that we, because of digital, we've been able to break down these barriers and we can market more easily and cheaply than ever before. There are advisors that are doing it and they're doing it really, really well. Those are the ones that are going to win. Absolutely. So final question for this segment. Um, I know you like to keep things simple, but we had a question around your tech and uh, are you considering adding any any other tech components to your current stack? I'm not. I love what I have. Satisfied customer. Okay. <laughs> I really do. It, it pretty much all integrates or will integrate soon. It's simple. I can manage it. I love it. Less, less is more and it's working just fine. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, appreciate you being put on the spot and being put in the hot seat for that segment. But we've come to our final one, Stack It or Whack It, which is my favorite. Where I'm going <laughs> to throw out a few technologies, hey, and they're not always well tech related. And you tell me if they are worth the hype or not. So first one I want to throw out, should advisors be investing in things like SEO software, say like a SEMrush? Is, is it more of a nice to have or a core marketing component? Stack it or whack it? 
Uh, I'm gonna say stack it with like uh, kind an of asterisk. a maybe. Yeah, an asterisk. <laughs> I, yeah, it, that's a black hole I can go down. You do. There are some really good things you can learn from it, but how much you end up spending or all that. I mean, there's there there should be some limits there. I guess I would say. I would I would argue if it's something that you're truly interested in and you want to rank for certain keywords or certain phrases, go for it. But yes, it it can be a full time job in itself. Oh, it totally is. I I have someone on my team that does just Google SEO. That's it. See, that's it, right? I mean, and I I kind of geek out on some of this stuff. It's kind of fun to search it and then try to write around a topic, but it's 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 really consuming. And again, if you're an advisor, it's probably not your job to be an SEO specialist. Exactly. All right. Technology number two. Again, I did promise that it's not always well tech related. So the 2024 Mustang Dark Horse. I've determined, Derek, we are basically the same person between our rescue dogs, our love of travel. I used to be a Delta loyalist before I moved to Denver and had to switch to United. But most importantly, we both have a love for Mustangs. I have a 2019, you know, 5.0 liter GT. That's my child. But the dark horse is coming out next year. You know, is, is this brand new breed of pony worth the hype stack it or whack it? <laughs> I think, I think stack it. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Again, asterisk, because I like the old naturally aspirated carbureted engines from the sixties. I was just working on mine this last weekend. Can't help it. I can't help it. You know, like if I can't sleep in the engine bay, then, <laughs> then I'll have to whack that part of it. <laughs> Fair enough. I just have um, an insatiable need for speed. So anything fast is okay in my book. <laughs> you know, to that, I don't know if you've watched it, but you got to watch the Grand Tour. It's a spinoff of Top Gear. Amazing. Yes. Okay. All right. I will definitely check that out. <laughs> love it. All right. So we'll have to, we'll have to take the Stangs out uh, for a drive sometime. Would love to. That'd be together. great. <laughs> we can do advisors and cars with coffee, like, uh, like the comedians and cars. <laughs> Done. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, Derek, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Uh, feel free to tell listeners where they can find out more about you and what you're working on at Connector and Coupler and, and the Rethink Podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. It's been awesome chatting with you. If anyone wants to connect with me, LinkedIn is probably the best place, but uh, just a pleasure chatting with you, Shannon. Thank you. I hope everyone got something out of this, even if it's just a chuckle. <laughs> well, be sure to like and subscribe to the Wellstack podcast on all major podcasting platforms and follow all things Wellstack on wealthmanagement.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And thank you for tuning in today. 